I'm Pastor Joseph. If you don't know me, I'm thrilled to get to speak for Pastor Ben, who got to enjoy some time with his family this week. And um, I just got to be honest, um, for a moment as I sat over there um, listening to our team and just kind of thinking about today, I got humbled um, just a little bit. Man, I love this place. God, I love this church. This is an amazing church. I love our pastor. I love his family. I I love our team, and I I have a blast with our team. But I think the thing I love most about Four Corners is that I get to come here with a bunch of people that love Four Corners. Like, I mean, seriously, like I'm watching our worship team up here and the tech team we got here hours ago. And they're not here because they're getting paid. They're not here because um, they're, you know, they have to be here or anything. Or they're going to get kicked off the team. They're here because they love Four Corners. And I walked out there and I saw Jenny standing at the front door and it's freezing and she's got a big coat on and she's all covered up. And I'm like, good morning. She's got this big smile on her face and she's not getting paid. The only reason she's here is because she loves this place. And I love being at a church with people who love Four Corners. So thank you for being an awesome church. Thank you for being here today. I'm really honored every single time that I get to speak. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read from Genesis chapter 22. I'm going to read a little bit more than I usually read because I'm going to kind of go in and pick out different parts of this story. But it's Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 13. You may have heard this story before, even if you're not familiar with church. This is a pretty famous story out of the Old Testament. I'm going to read 13 verses. It says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said to Abraham, he said to Abraham, he said to him, Abraham, Here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand, took his knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you, are, that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And then verse 14, I'm going to add. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. We pray with you for just a moment. God, thank you so much for the moments we share. God, I pray that you would, you would speak. God, I pray more than anything that we know that there is a real God and that he is still speaking, that you speak to us, that if we have ears to hear, that we would hear. And so, God, I pray that you would speak boldly and powerfully today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, it's no secret, anybody who knows me, because that's all I ever do, I'm the prototypical dad. I don't have the pictures in the wallet like, like, like my dad used to have, where it's like, here, look at my kids. What I do is I have a cell phone. And so I'm always like, hey, did you see the video of what my girls did? Did you see this thing? Look at these pictures. My girls are the smartest girls that God has ever created. Like, I'm that dad. I love my girls, and everybody knows about them. But I was thinking the other day about how young they used to be, and when they were, they were first born, things were a little bit different. 
My girls are a little over two years old now, and I remember, and if you have kids, maybe you understand what I'm about to talk to you about, but I remember when they were first born, how every single sound they made, I jumped at. Like, do you remember that? When you first bring them home, you bring them home, and you're just like, oh my gosh, like, this is real life. Like, this isn't the play, like, baby that I had to practice on, like, while Whitney was pregnant. Like, this is a real baby, and every single sound they make, I have to do something about it because I'm dad. Like, they're looking to me to protect them and provide. So every single time one of my girls made a sound, Whitney and I just jumped at it. They, they made a little whimper, and we're like, oh, God, they're not breathing. They, they were breathing. But you're just like, oh, no, what's wrong? They cry, and you're like, oh, something's terrible. And every single time we jumped, the moment our girls said a single sound, they cried anything, we jumped to be there. And this is how bad it got, and maybe it didn't get this bad for you, but it did. It did for us. The first time I remember that we actually spent the night somewhere without our girls, they were almost six months old, and our, uh, her, her parents were going to watch them for the night. And we go, first thing we do is we go out to dinner. Nothing fancy. I think it was Texas Roadhouse. And I'm, I love Texas Roadhouse. And so we're there, and uh, we're, we're eating the food, and we're just having a good time talking. It's the first time we've really been away from our girls. And out of nowhere, a baby starts to cry. And some parents just started smiling, because you know where this is going. So this baby starts crying, and the mom tried as hard as she could to console the baby. And Whitney and I are not saying a word anymore. We're just kind of looking at each other. We're looking over there. We're looking at each other. We're looking over there. And all of a sudden, I start to feel some emotion that I'm not used to feeling. This baby is crying, and I'm looking over there, and I almost feel like a little tear beginning. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? And I look at my wife, and she's bawling at this point. I mean, she has got tears streaming down her face. And she's like, are you crying? I'm like, no, are you crying? Like, what is wrong with you? And it was simply the fact that there was a baby crying. We were so used to jumping and being so concerned every time that we heard a baby cry that at that point in our life, it literally caused this emotion to erupt within us. But you fast forward two years, and I got to tell you, I do not jump the same way when my babies cry. Honestly, they fall down. I'm like, you're fine, all right? Get up. That's a fake cry. I know the difference now, all right? Like, no, no, no. Give it back to your sister. I'm not playing this game, right? Like, they understand. Be like, no, we're not doing this anymore. So true story, two weeks ago, we took our girls to their first ever swim lesson. First ever swim lesson. They're two years old, and we take them to this swim class, and it's this massive, like, Olympic-sized pool. I mean, there are dozens and dozens of kids here of all different ages at all different parts of the pool doing this thing. And we're thinking, this is going to be awesome. The moment we got in the pool, the moment, I, I don't mean like, like we saw, I mean the moment we got in the pool, my girls lost it. I don't mean like they just like, ugh. I mean like they lost their mind. They were crying and they were screaming and now they can talk and they're like, go home. We want to go home. We want to go home. Daddy, stop. Daddy, stop. For 30 minutes, they screamed and they cried and they belted and literally the entire pool was staring at Whitney and I. And you know what Whitney and I did? Two years ago, we would have cried. You know what we did today? We laughed. Honestly, we just looked at each other and laughed. It was like, ah, what are you going to do? Sorry, everybody. They're, they're, yep, they're mine. They scream loud and together. I get it. Leave me alone. Like, I just don't have the same reaction that I used to have. And I've noticed that in my life that, that there's this thing that I can learn that even though that my girls cry, I don't react the way that I used to cry, and it doesn't cause the things that it used to cause. And this is a learned thing. But you know that scientists have actually proven that it's also a biological thing, that we are able to hear certain things at certain times in our life, and at other times in our life, we're not able to hear these things. Honestly, this is going to happen. I'm going to do a test a test, all right, and this is what's going to happen. It's here in just a second. The uh, booth back there is going to play a sound. They're going to play a sound for two to three seconds. And if you hear the sound, 
I want you to raise your hand. If you don't hear the sound, don't raise your hand. And I need you to participate. Like, don't be that guy that's like, no, like, I'm, I'm not doing it. It's cold outside. I'm not raising my hand. There's not many of you I will know who does not raise their hand. All right? Like, if you hear the sound, raise your hand. If you don't, don't raise your hand. All right? Everybody understand? Go ahead and play it, guys. All right. All right. Awesome. Awesome. So they played it. It's off. All right. So some of you heard the sound. Some of you didn't. How many of you didn't hear a sound and you're freaked out that everybody else heard it? That's all right. That's fair. That's honest. All right. That's good. So here's the reason why you couldn't hear the sound. What they played was a frequency of 17.4 kilohertz. Now, 17.4 kilohertz, you can Google this. This is a true story. It's also titled Mosquito Teen Repellent. Because what it is, is it is a frequency specifically designed for people between the ages of 13 to about 30. And it plays this sound, and teenagers don't like it, and so they want to go away. Like, literally, they played it, and it pierced my ears. Like, I hate that sound. What happened was there was this company in London, and they were like a really fancy company. They were really nice. And all these teenagers kept hanging out around it. And they couldn't figure out how to get these teenagers to leave. They got skateboards, and they got their drugs, and they got their goofy clothes. And, like, that's not the people they wanted to appeal to. They wanted an older, nicer crowd is who they were trying to appeal to. So this guy had this idea. I'm going to play this frequency and see what happens. And he played it, and the kids left immediately. And so now, if you Google this thing, there are security companies, there are businesses, there are organizations all over the world that use mosquito teen repellent when they want to get teenagers away from them. But here's the thing that you have to realize. No matter who you are in this room, at one point in your life, you had the ability to hear that sound. The thing is, over time, as you age, your ears begin to get more dull. And as your ears get more dull, you can't hear the same sound that at once you were able to hear. And so here's, what I'm, here's how I'm tying it with our series here, with hearing God. As everybody in this room, at one point or another, had the ability to hear from God, but maybe over time you've lost that ability. Because here's what I know. I, I know that at some point you did hear God because that's why you chose to, to follow him, right? At some point God spoke to you and it was so clear and it was so powerful and you knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that he was real. And so you made it in that moment, you said, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to dedicate my life to him. I'm going to do whatever he calls me to do. He is my savior and my Lord. And there was no doubt. But perhaps over time, you haven't been able to hear him as clearly as you did back then. Maybe be honest and say, man, I don't know if I've even heard him since then. Maybe sometimes you're like me and you begin to question, does God even speak anymore? Like, I mean, I read this, that he speaks throughout the Bible, and I want to say that I hear God speak, and I hear our pastor talk about how much he speaks, and I hear other people talk about how much he speaks, but I just don't really hear him anymore. See, I think that this story that we read about Abraham reveals to us a couple of things that will show us why we may not be hearing from God, because it's not that he's not speaking, and it's not that you can't hear him, it's just that maybe you don't hear him anymore because there are a few things we're missing. And so in this story, we're talking about Abraham. And Abraham is someone that people know about. Abraham is very famous. We sing songs about Father Abraham had many sons, right? Many sons had Father Abraham, and I'm one of them. If you're old enough, you remember that there was a game like with like the Nintendo where you could play with, you were either Joshua or you were either Abraham. Did anybody ever play this game? Am I the only person who was only allowed to play Christian games growing up? Awesome. Good to know. Heathens. But anyways, um, just kidding. My dad was a pastor. I had no choice. So, but like we all know Abraham. 
Abraham at 75 years old, God called him and chose him. All he was was some nomadic leader, and God chose him and said, hey, you're going to be a great nation, and I'm going to build through you. Over 25 years, you fast forward, he finally gets this son named Isaac that he's so proud about, the son that God promised that he was going to have all of his offspring through and be as numerous as the stars. And then a little bit of time passes, and, and most scholars you, you can read will say that Isaac at this point is somewhere in his late teens to early 20s. He's an older guy, so probably between 15 and 25. So some 40, 50 years have passed from the moment God first spoke to Abraham, and yet Abraham is still able to hear from God. God has spoke to Abraham numerous times, but the first time was 40, 50 years ago. And here we are, we read this story, and Abraham can still clearly hear God. Because I think there are four things that he does that if we were to do would help us to clearly hear God, no matter if you're new to the faith or you've been in the faith for 50 years, you can still hear God speak into your life. And so we read this story and God tells, tells Abraham to do something really, really crazy. And it's not going to be my message. There's a whole lot in here that I'm going to try to, try to park over here and focus in on here, how he heard from God. But God tells Abraham to do something really crazy. He says, hey, take your son that 40, 50 years ago, I promised you I was going to, 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 to give you and promised you that he was going to be the one who was going to bring all of this offspring and all of these things I promised you through. Take that son and go and sacrifice him. Now, I don't know about you, but that's nuts. Like, like you have got to be kidding me. Scripture doesn't tell us Abraham's reaction, but I'm just going to infer his reaction would be anything like what most of ours would be. Are you serious? I mean, really, if God told me to sacrifice my only child, my reaction is going to be clear devastation. I mean, my stomach would probably begin to hurt. I'd be like, there, there is, there's no way. There's no way I could possibly do something like this. There has to be another way, right? And so he, he, he has to be thinking through these things. If I'm like Abraham, I probably begin to argue with God and probably begin to tell him how he's wrong because I'm so smart and I know so much better than God and I'm going to explain to God how he's wrong. Maybe you don't do that. I do that because I'm just that dumb. But I'm like, if I'm there, I'm going to explain to God how, no, God, you promised me this. You can't do this now. Why would these don't coincide? This does not work. But I think scripture does something intentionally there that it does not reveal to us what Abraham's thoughts were, what his concerns were, or even what his conversation with God was. He says this, and in the very next verse, after God tells him what he needs to do in verse 3, it says, Early the next morning, Abraham got up and he saddled his donkey. So God tells him to do something, and immediately Abraham does it. You see, Abraham understood something, that when God speaks, we act. Abraham understood something that whenever God tells him to do something, he has to steward that word. So if you're taking notes, the first point that we put on there is God won't give a new word until, he, until we steward the spoken word. God won't give a new word until we steward the spoken word. Because here's what we want. We want God to give us some big word. We want God to reveal something new to us. We want God to, to help give us direction. But maybe sometimes the reason God isn't speaking into your life is because you haven't done the last thing that he told you to do. I told you I have these girls, and just a few nights ago, we had some friends over to our house, and my daughter, Kinsley, she had this, this like plastic container that she keeps some of her toys in, and she had emptied it out, and she walks over to my friend named Jay, and, and she walks up to him, and he's looking the other direction, and she grabs this container, she picks it up over her head, and I'm watching the whole thing like, what is, what is she doing? And she, whoo, throws it at this guy right in the face, and in that moment, I have no idea what to feel. 
because I felt three things at once. Immediately, I felt pride. Like, that's my girl. Like, did you, did you, literally, the first words that came out of my mouth were, Whitney, did you see that? That was awesome. And then I remembered I'm a dad, and I'm not supposed to, like, tell my kids that's okay. So then all of a sudden, I was like, ooh, no, 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 this, this isn't good. I should not be proud about this. And the other thing was just pure laughter. And so what I did is I said, Kinsley, you need to say you're sorry to Jay. Nope. Kinsley, you need to say you're sorry to Jay. And she keeps telling me no. And I keep saying the same thing. Kinsley, go say sorry. Kinsley, go say sorry. And she began to try to change the subject. No, no, no. Daddy, I want to go play. We're not going to go play until you say you're sorry. No, no, Daddy, I want a snack. We're not going to get a snack until you go say you're sorry. So she goes and does what every kid does. She goes to her mom. Mommy, I want to go play. No, Kinsley, we're not going to play until you say you're sorry. You heard your dad. I want to get a snack. No, she literally gets to the point to now she's crying and screaming and doing a classic two-year-old tantrum on the ground. And you know what I keep saying? We ain't doing nothing until you go and say you're sorry to Jay. Why? Because I told her to do something, and we weren't going to move on until she did it. And the thing, God does the exact same thing with us. God calls us to do things. He tells you to do something, and it may be small, and it may seem minute, but he's not going to give you a new word until you steward the spoken word that he's already given you. Your scripture tells us very clearly that he will not give us big things until we're faithful in the little things. Perhaps the reason you feel like God's not speaking to you is because he already did, and you just haven't done what he told you to do yet. Maybe, maybe last week he, he told you to tell your spouse how much you love them. But instead of doing the thing God told you to do, you told yourself that they came home late for the third time this week and I'm not going to do it. Or maybe God told you to go and clean those dishes and help your mom out. But instead of doing that, you decided you wanted to sit there and play your video game. Or, or, or maybe, maybe he told you to go and tell this person that, you, that God loved them and cared for them. But instead of going and doing that, you told yourself how weird they would think you are and you're not going to go do it. You will not hear the mighty, powerful truths from God unless you're willing to do the mighty, small, minute things that God tells you to do. The best thing you may could do, if you don't hear anything else from a message, the best thing you might be able to do today is go home and sit down and pray to God and say, are there things you've called me, you have told me to do that I have not done? And that's the reason that I'm not getting clarity and I don't feel like you're speaking over here. See, Abraham knew when God spoke, he moved. The reason 40, 50 years after the first time he heard God speak that he still heard God speak was because every time God gave him a spoken word, he was a good steward of it and he acted. Maybe if you're not hearing from God, it's because he already told you to do something. You just haven't done it yet. So he goes and he gets up and he saddles his donkey and he goes and he gets um, enough wood for the sacrifice. He gets two servants and he gets his son Isaac and they go and they set out on this journey we don't know exactly how great of a distance it was. All we know is that it, it took some time. Because in verse 4, it tells us that on the third day from this journey, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. So Abraham has been traveling for three days. And every single day, he was a real person. Every single day, he got up with the same knot in his stomach that God told me to do something and I have to do it. Every single day, he got up and he continued to move forward in obedience to God. He continued to move forward doing what God told him to do. Step after step, minute after minute, hour after hour, day by day. For three days, he's doing what God told him to do. And you know what God did? Nothing. God didn't say a word. 
And maybe, maybe, you, maybe you have actually been a good steward of the things that God has told you to do, but maybe you're like me, and there are times that you are actually doing exactly what God told you to do, but it feels like he's gone silent in your life. And what we begin to do is we begin to question, why is God being so silent? And at some point, we get to this idea that his silence we mistake for absence. We mistake his silence for absence, and what we do is we say, well, if he's not speaking, he must not be here. I, I thought that I was on the right track, but nobody's telling me whether I'm going right way or not. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but when I'm going and I'm doing something you asked me to do, I want to make sure I'm doing what you asked me to do. I, I, I don't know how to do tools very well and build things. Pastor Ben does, and so I will try to do something to constantly, is this right? Is, it, is this right? Did I put this? Okay. Because the last thing I want to do is screw something up. But Abraham is going through something that all of us go through. He's walking in obedience to what God told him to do, but God is remaining silent. I've lived in Cincinnati for a year and a half now, a little bit over. And I love to pride myself on being good with directions, but i got to be honest. I still don't know my way around here. I drive three miles from my house to here and from here to my house, and everything I need is right here around this church. It's amazing. I love it. You ask me to go anywhere else outside of here, and I have to use what we all use, a GPS, right? Like, I, I don't know how to get, someone's like, oh, I live in Eastgate. And I'm like, what's Eastgate? And they're like, oh, it's the east side of the city. I'm like, that's not helpful. There's a whole big country on the east side of the city. Like, help me out here. Like, I, I, I'm just like, well, just give me it, and I'll put it in my GPS. And I, we live so close to the interstates here that what happens a lot of times is I will drive and the GPS will give me directions. It'll say, take a right out of your neighborhood, take a left right here, take a right here. But eventually I get on the interstate, and I'm going to be on there for a while. And you know what happens when I'm on there for a while? The GPS is silent. The GPS isn't saying, good job, Joseph, keep going. I wish it did sometimes. I, I check because I'm afraid I'm going to make a wrong turn. I'm like, am I, am I on the right path? Like, it doesn't say a word. Sometimes I'll be driving for hours on the interstate and the GPS doesn't make a sound. And it's not that the GPS isn't working and it's not that I'm on the wrong path. It's actually that I'm on the right path. And maybe the reason that God's not speaking in your life isn't because you've done something wrong. Maybe it's because you're doing something right. Maybe the reason God isn't speaking is because he's waiting until you need direction. And the best thing you can do is to keep going in the direction that you're in. Because when you are obedient to God, and you are walking the path that he's called you to, if we can see with Abraham and you can see all throughout the Bible, he will not speak again until it's time for you to get some direction. So if you've obeyed the last thing that God told you to do, keep going. His silence does not mean absence. His silence actually may mean that you're on the right path. So keep going where you're going. So Abraham travels for three days. And remember, he had his two servants his donkey, his son, and all the supplies needed for the sacrifice. And he finally gets to the place where he needs to be. And he gets there and he looks and he says to his servant, stay here with the donkey. Stay here with the donkey. Abraham knew something. He knew that sometimes you can't have a lot of competing voices in your life. So he travels with these two guys and we don't know how well he knew them. Maybe they were great friends who knows, maybe they weren't, they were his servants, they had some type of relationship. But we do know for at least three days, he traveled with them. So for at least three days, they were hand in hand, side by side, all on the same mission, going the same direction. But eventually, Abraham finally had to get to a point that he told them that, hey, you stay here, me and the boy will go forward. 
And Pastor Ben talked a lot about this last week, and I won't spend as much time here, but there's a truth that there may be some voices in your life that you need to leave behind. There may be some voices in your life that you need to leave behind. You say, well, how, how do I know which voices I need to leave behind? How do I know what, whether I should go this way or I should go that? I read the Old Testament and I read the, even the New Testament, and God spoke to people when they were alone all the time. God spoke to Abraham alone. God spoke to his grandson, Jacob, alone in a desert. God spoke to this guy named Joshua alone looking out at Jericho. God spoke to this guy named Gideon alone in a wine press because sometimes you have to get the voices out. But sometimes there are some voices that you should listen to. But how do I know which voices I should listen to and how do I know which ones that I shouldn't? Well, I'll give you three things, three litmus tests that I do for myself. And the first one to know whether you should listen to the voice or not is do they hear from God? Is do they hear from God? People have a lot of opinions. I mean, golly, a lot of opinions. Like social media aggravates the mess out of me because everybody's got their opinions and everybody thinks it's better than the other ones. And I'm so glad that you're so smart and you've done all your research and you've got all these opinions and you're allowed to have an opinion. But if I need to hear from God, I don't want your opinion. I want to hear from God. I need someone who knows how to listen to him. If you want to know, should they be in your voice, should they be speaking into your life or not? You have to ask, do they hear from God? And if they don't, that doesn't mean you're not friends with them. That just means that at some point you may have to leave them behind. Or maybe say, if they hear from God, the second thing is, do they want God's will for your life? You see, I, there's a lot of people you could hang out with. And there's this term going around right now, like, oh, my rider dies. Yeah, we're going for life. Like, yeah, we're always going to have each other's back. We're the best. We're cool. Yeah, and that's great. Have rider dies. Have your boys. Have your girls. But make sure that ultimately they don't just have your back. They actually want God's will for your life. See, I made a decision six years ago that I didn't just want boys who were for me. I wanted boys that were for my marriage. That whenever I was in the wrong, they would point me back to a godly marriage. You see, you may have some good friends and they may be there for you, but if they're not pointing you to God's will, they're not really there for you. And at some point, you have to leave those voices behind if you want to hear from God. And the third thing, so the first is, do they hear from God? The second is, do they want God's will for your life? And the third is, do they pray with you? You say, man, Joseph, that's so simple. I know it's so simple. But if they're not willing to actively pray with you, they shouldn't be the ones speaking into your life. You see, I could, I could do a lot of things. I, you know, if I, want to, if I want to speak to Whitney, my wife, say she's with her family and, and they've been gone for a while and I can't get a hold of her and she's not answering her phone because... I pay for her phone that she doesn't like to use, but you know, say, you know, say she's not answering her phone and I can't get a hold of her. And I call her dad, my father-in-law, and I say, hey, Jeff, is Whitney there? Is she with you? Is she okay? And he says, yes. Do you think I'm going to hang up the phone? No. I'm going to say one of two things. Put her on the phone or have her call me immediately. Why? Because I don't want to talk to Jeff. I want to talk to my wife. And if you have people that are speaking into you, it's great that they're there, but you should be trying to hear from God. They should be praying with you so that you hear from him, not so that you hear from them. Does that make sense? Like people should be willing to stop and pray with you. And if they're not willing to stop and pray with you, I'm going to be honest, they probably shouldn't be speaking into your life. And at some point, you're going to have to leave them behind. Because if you're going to let them speak into your life, it's not because they're just good and nice people. It's because you need to hear from God, not from man. So he goes and he leaves these, he goes and he leaves these two servants behind and he begins to climb up the mountain. 
and he puts, the, uh, he puts all the wood and then supplies for the burnt offering on his son Isaac. And Isaac is coming up beside him and he even asks him some questions like, hey, dad, like this, something doesn't seem right here. Like there seems to be something missing. I see the wood. I see the fire. I see the knife. I don't see the sacrifice. Where's the lamb? And Abraham makes a statement that I love. He says, God himself will provide. But they continue to go up. They continue to go up. And Abraham, he, he, he gets together and he gets all the supplies and they build this altar. They find the spot and they build the altar. And Abraham takes his son, remember, who's either an, uh, at the end of his teens or early 20s. So somehow his son was obedient even to his father, but that's a different message. So he's obedient and allows his son, allows his father to take him and put him on this altar. So he's got everything built. He's got his son on the altar. And scripture says that he takes the knife with the, with the goal and he gets prepared that he's about to slay his own son. And right as he gets to that point that he's about to slay his son, God sends an angel and the angel speaks out and yells, Abraham, Abraham. And he stops and he says, God tested you and now he knows that you fear him. And then Abraham, scripture says, looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. You see, I, I don't know, you guys are really smart and probably knew this before I did. I never noticed until this week while I was studying it that God never said, hey, there's a ram, use it. I, like, he didn't say that. I mean, I always thought that God sent the angel and the angel said, stop, stop, don't sacrifice your son, sacrifice this ram. But it didn't see the ram until he actually looked up. And that's when he saw God's provision for his, for, for, for his life and for that moment. See, in your fourth point, if you're taking notes, is sometimes God speaks with provisions rather than words. Sometimes God speaks with provisions rather than words. Because, man, sometimes I, I really, I really love words. I really love whenever God speaks clearly to me and he gives me words and he gives me exactly what I should do and he tells me exactly where I should go. But that's not always the way God works. Sometimes he doesn't use words. Sometimes he uses provision. So that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. Here's what I found, is that sometimes God won't communicate direction if, you don't, if he can't communicate his heart to you. Because if you don't understand his heart, you're not going to follow his direction. You see, Abraham understood God's heart to such a great extent that he was willing to do something absolutely crazy in my mind. Because he understood God's heart, he was able to see God's direction. But a lot of times, maybe the reason you're not hearing from God isn't because he's not communicating. Maybe it's because he's trying to communicate his heart to you, but you're just not seeing it. Because we all, we all do this. We all look down at the problem. We all look down at what we want fixed. We look down at what's in front of us. We look down at this thing right here and we say, God, tell me what I should do. God, tell me where I should go. God, help me make the right decision. Why are you not answering me? Why are you not doing this? Why are you not showing up? Maybe it is that he's speaking. It's just that we're not seeing it because it's through his provision. So, so what does this look like? Psalms 19 gives us an example in the first four verses. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. And day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens God has pitched a tent for the sun. These things that God has provided use no words. They do not speak. 
but yet their sound extends into all of the earth because what it is is it's these provisions that point us to the provider. And it's supposed to speak in such a great way that it helps us recognize the heart of our God. Because as Abraham is following God, he stewarded exactly what God told him to do. He continued to walk the right path even though God was being silent. He left some people behind and was doing everything God told him to do. But the only reason he was able to do those three things is because he understood and recognized the heart of God. And so as Abraham is climbing this mountain, every step he takes, what he doesn't know, because he, under, because he understands God's heart, but he doesn't know the plan, is every step that he's taking up this mountain, on the other side, God is bringing up a ram. Abraham is just walking in obedience. He doesn't know the plan. He's just trying to be a man of faith, but he understands God's heart enough to trust that God's going to do what God has to do, even if he doesn't see it in the moment. And so God is bringing up this ram on the other side of the mountain and Abraham is looking at the problem. And until the moment he looks up, he finally sees God's provision. See, maybe you feel like God's not speaking because you haven't understood God's heart for your life lately. You see, something that I found in my own life, even, even recently, I'll share just a small part of it, is about a year and a half ago, me and my wife were trying to make a decision. We were here in Cincinnati and we were trying to figure out what we should do we were trying to figure out, does, does Joseph stay in ministry? Does, does he go elsewhere? What is he supposed to do? We were in a really weird situation. We moved because God told us to, and we didn't know what to do. I didn't have a job when I moved up here. I didn't have anything lined up. I didn't actually know anybody. I knew my wife's family. All we knew was that God was sending us to Cincinnati. And so we went to Cincinnati, and we didn't have a house. And so I took my two six-month-old babies, and we put them in this house with my in-laws, with my brother-in-law, with my sister-in-law. That's a lot. That's a lot of people in the same house. And I sat there for month after month after month praying, God, what do you want me to do? Do you, do you want me to stay in ministry? Do you want me to go someplace else? Do you want me to stay in Ohio? Do you want me to go someplace else? I need direction. I need clarity. I need a word. I need you to do something. Speak, 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 speak. And he didn't speak. I was like, God, like, hey, come on now. I'm your boy, right? Like, I mean, I've, I have done what you've asked me to do. People think I'm dumb, but I've done what you've asked me to do. I need you to speak. And he didn't speak, and he didn't speak, and he didn't speak, and he didn't speak. And after about four or five months, I remember after about five months, I remember getting to this point where I finally stopped and I said, God, I am really sick and tired of this whole silence game. I, like, this is the part where you speak and I, and I do. I'm a great listener if you would just say something. And so I finally stopped talking and said, God, why are you not speaking? And he's very clear. He said, the reason I'm not speaking is because you haven't seen what I've provided. And I'm like, you ain't provided nothing. Like, I mean, I still need an answer. I still need to know what to do. I've been waiting for five months in this house, waiting for you to tell me something. I've been mad. I've been confused. I've done everything you've asked me to do. Why in the world are you telling me to talk about your provision? Well, the reason that he was telling me that I, need, I don't see my provision was because I wasn't looking for his heart. I was looking for his direction. And he wasn't going to give me direction until I understood his heart. And so he began to show me all of these things that he provided before I ever even knew I needed them. I looked at my wife, who I thought I married because she was hot, but really, and a minute of other things too, but it began to show me that, hey, the last five months as you've struggled through this, how great of a support has your wife been through this process? How many times has she stopped and prayed with you? Do you think that I paired you with her by accident? Do you think that I just looked and said, yeah, they look good together. They'd make cute babies. Let's do it. No, 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 no. 
I knew what you would need before you ever even got into this union. And they said, you, you, you see those little girls right there that you love so much? You remember how you used to pray that they would bring joy to everybody around them? I always prayed for two things for my girls, that they would bring joy to people and they would be healthy. That's the only two things I prayed when Whitney was pregnant, that they bring joy to people and they would please be healthy. He said, every single day whenever they keep bringing you joy and you keep laughing and you post videos about how Kinsley says, I'm me, instead of her name, you know, like, I mean, like, if you see my Instagram, check it out. It's cute. But, um, like, you know, like, all this joy that they bring you, you used to pray that they would bring it to other people. But I heard your prayer and knew that in this season they would need to bring you joy. And, and you keep talking about how you feel alone and you keep talking about how nobody's here with you and how you're struggling through this and nobody understands you. And you're not even looking that I jammed you in a house full of eight people that you literally cannot get away from. And every single day you have to get up and see that I have provided a family. I have provided an army for you. I have provided people that are in your corner every single day. But you look right past it. So you thought that you married Whitney just for her, but I knew that in this season you were going to need this family and they were going to be here for you. And until you understand my heart that I've been providing for you well before you ever knew you needed it, we will not move forward. And honestly, it messed me up. It's like, God, I just, I just want to go. Like, just tell me what it is. Joseph, I need you to understand that I am your provider. See, I love what Abraham says in verse 14. They decide that this place is going to be the place where the Lord provides and Abraham knew that God was his provider. He understood God's heart before God gave him direction. And so you want to know uh, a small end part of that story for me is that was at the five-month mark. And I had that moment early in the week. That Sunday morning, I woke up and my wife and my two girls were uh, sick. So I had this weird thing. I'd heard about this church. I'd never been to it. Multiple people said, hey, you should come check out my church. And so I got up that morning and I went to Four Corners. Didn't know anybody here. I didn't know what I was doing. It was all by myself. Just felt that morning when I prayed that God said, go to Four Corners. And I'm like, well, at least you told me something. All right, like, we'll do that. Whatever. I'll go check it off the list. I'll be a good steward. And then you'll tell me to do the next thing. I walk into Four Corners that morning. And um, I walk in and I sit by myself in the auditorium because nobody's here 10 minutes before service. I learned that that day. So I sit here by myself, um, just right behind Rick, actually right there. And Will comes in, and he sits down, and he talks with me for 10 minutes. He says, hey, i got to go do something real quick. I'll see you after service. I'm like, wow, what do you got to go do? Oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to go sing. Are you the, are you the worship pastor? Well, you could say that. Classic Will, right? Like, okay, so you're going to sing. And he says, hey, if you want to come back on Wednesday, you should come. We're going to have this worship night. It'd be fun. Love to have you. And I felt in that moment God speak, hey, go on Wednesday night. Again, I don't know why. Fine, I'll go on Wednesday night. So I go on Wednesday night, and I bring my wife, and we meet Pastor Ben that night. And Pastor Ben speaks to, uh, God speaks to Pastor Ben and says, hey, you need to meet with this guy. And the next day, Pastor Ben texts me, and we met. We met that day. God spoke to him again. And within a series of conversations, within a series of time, God spoke to Ben. And he said, hey, you should hire Joseph to work at Four Corners. And within three weeks of me finally saying, God, you are my provider. Thank you for this. And just looking at God's heart, within three weeks of that, God said, hey, you should work at Four Corners. Here's a job that's going to change your life. And here are people that you're going to be with for the foreseeable future. You see, I did not know what the next step was in my life. And the reason that God didn't speak it is because I hadn't understood his heart yet. You see, God wants you to see that he's your provider. And maybe one of the best things you can do today is you can look at your life and see all of the things that God has provided for you. 
Maybe you could take some time today and you could look at your family that's a little crazy. Maybe they scream. Maybe they're nuts. Maybe they're wacko. I don't know. Man, maybe you could look at that and say, God, you did provide me with these people. Maybe you could go to your home. Maybe you could walk outside and see, wow, it's white. It's better than gray, right? I mean, like, man, God, thank you for your provision. Thank you for what you were doing. Even if you're not speaking words, I know you are still working and speaking into my life. And I can promise you, Scripture after scripture after scripture, and even from my own personal life, that if you will see God's heart and recognize his provision, then he will provide direction in your life. And so here's what we're going to do. You're going to take out your connect card. We're about to get ready to close. The worship team is on their way back in momentarily, and we're going to close this service. But you get your connect card out. What we do here is we take a few bold steps, right? We take a few steps. I don't want you just to hear a message. I want you to actually do something with the message. And my prayer is not that you'll walk away saying, yes, God speaks. My prayer is that you'll walk away and say, God is speaking to me, and here are things I can do to hear him. All right, so if you are here or you're watching online, you want to take bold step A. Bold step A is, hey, today I am making Jesus my Savior and Lord. Hey, I'm ready to take that next step. I'm ready to follow this guy. I will trust that he is my provider. I want him. He's speaking to me to be my Lord and Savior. Or bold step B, today I'm choosing to be baptized. We have a baptism coming up in a couple of weeks, and we would love for you to participate in that. If you've been waiting for your moment or you're online, you can email us. You can put a comment on the YouTube link right there and say, I want to be baptized. And we would love for you to be a part of that baptism in the second week of February. Or bold step C, pray that I will hear God speak more clearly in my life. Because God is speaking. He is speaking to you every single day. And say, hey, Check bold step C. I would ask that you would pray that I would hear God speak more clearly in my life. Bold step D, I will attend the January 27th service to hear Pastor Ben share the vision for 2019. He says, hey, I'm going to be here next week. I want to hear the vision of 2019. I want to hear what God's going to do. And then we're going to challenge you to take a step when you hear that vision. And say, hey, be a part of this. Engage in what's going on. Or bold step E, I'm ready to live the full and abundant life God has planned for me. Please send me the link to sign up for the winter semester of freedom. This is, an incredible, this is incredible groups that meet once a week. We had a group of over 50 people go through last semester, found incredible freedom, incredible life from going through this program. We would love for you to go through this program, to find freedom, to engage, to see what God wants to do in your life. At this point, you can put those connect cards off to the side. We're going to get prepared to take up our offering our tithes and offerings. The ushers are going to come up here, and I'm going to pray in just a moment. We're going to go back into worship. But as the ushers are getting prepared, and they're coming up here, that last point I talked about is understanding the heart of God, seeing his provision before we see his direction. And over the next few moments, our worship team is going to lead us in worship. And whether you're here in the room or you're watching online um, via our YouTube link, I'm praying that you will see God's work in your life right now. I'm praying that before you leave, you will see the heart of God and the things he's done for you. I'm praying that before you walk out, you will say, God is speaking, even if it's not with words. He has spoken powerfully over my life. He has spoken powerfully over my family. He has spoken powerfully over my marriage. As the team leads in worship, you sing, you engage, however you engage, but do not walk out of here without giving God an opportunity to show you how he's speaking and moving in your life. Will you pray with me? God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for being a great God. God, I thank you that you speak time and time again. I thank you that you have spoken to me. I thank you you've spoken to so many people. You spoke to all of us when you called us. God, the reason we follow you is because we know you're real and we know that you spoke to us so clearly. But God, over time, maybe we've lost the ability to hear you. 
Maybe we've, maybe we've missed a step a few places or maybe we're on the right path. But God, no matter where we are in our walk with you, God, I pray that you would speak to us. God, I pray over the next few moments we would see your heart. We would see your provision. We would see that you were speaking boldly into our lives. And God, I pray throughout this week, God, that we would seek you, that you would speak. God, when you speak in small things, that we would be obedient. When you speak for us to go and speak to our coworker, we would do it. When you tell us to do something at the grocery store, we would do it. When you tell us to do something in our family, we would do it. We would steward every word that you've spoken. And God, even if we may not hear you, but we've obeyed you, that God, we would continue to be faithful. We continue to walk the path. And God, I pray that we would trust you. We would see your provision. We would know that you're a good and an awesome God. God, I pray that you would be with this offering and this tithes that we're doing. God, I pray that you would bless our church. God, let us bless our community. Everywhere that we go, God, we pray that people experience real love now because of the generosity of the people in this church. And God, we will thank you and we'll give you glory and honor in your name. Amen.